That music, it's playing again. Welcome back to episode 89 of One Man Watchpoint and Overwatch podcast. This is, of course, a podcast where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. And if you're not, allow me to introduce myself. I'm, of course, your host, Sir Dr. JM. That's at Sir DRJM on all socials. Why not go head on over to Twitter and give me a follow over there? Because I'd love to interact with you. If you want to, tweet at me, send me a DM, whatever you've got. Questions, comments, concerns, topics for the show as they relate to Overwatch. Overwatch 2, of course. The Overwatch League. Uh, the Overwatch Beta, if you will. Um, or Blizzard Games or just games in general i'd love to talk i'd love to bring things to the show i'd love to interact with you overall but enough with all that we've got a show to get to so let's jump on in there you can of course find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services out there spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, etc etc so give us a follow leave us a review tell your friends and all that jazz now you can of course also check me out over on the ready set pwn podcast uh, available on podcast services everywhere. Ready, Set, Pwn is, of course, your premier source for everything Vancouver Titans and Toronto Defiant and Canadian Overwatch. So go check me out over there as well. Now, we've got a show to get to this week. It's going to be a little shorter, especially compared to last week, which was a little bit longer. Uh, But let's get in there and cover the news, as this is going to be our final episode before the launch of Overwatch 2. It's an universal zinc for my... All right, that's right. You heard it here first, people. This is the final episode you're going to be listening to before Overwatch 2 is in your hands, is playable, and is something that you will be enjoying. That's right. Overwatch 2 will be released, by the time you're listening to this, exactly one week or less than one week from today. So... We're going to cover just a few stories here this week. We're going to talk a little bit about our Overwatch League games from the past weekend. Um, I didn't actually have a chance to catch many of the games or or much of the games, but I did catch some and I did catch snippets of some of the games and that kind of thing. Um, but we'll go over the scores, talk a little bit about how the teams are looking right now, how this meta is shaping up or not shaping up, um, and we'll kind of get into all of that. But first, we've got some news to cover. So let's kick things off over on DottieSports.com because what kind of an... One man watch point, what would it be if we didn't start at Daddy Sports? This time with an article by Eva Martinello, written on September 1st, which reads, Limited edition Overwatch League skins are making a return for this year's finals. Overwatch fans who missed the opportunity to purchase limited edition legendary skins may finally have the chance to pick them up soon. According to Overwatch Cavalry, who posted a video on Twitter, the vault is making its return to the game. Last time around, this event brought back legendary skins from the summer and fall. The first event brought MVP skins to the game, such as Zen Nakji and Flying Ace Winston, and the second featured Overwatch League's All-Star skins. Since the skins will be available in Overwatch 2, they could return between October and November, which will be ahead of the OWL Grand Finals, according to Neri. Quote, The detailed sales schedule looks like it will go on sale again between the hashtag OWL22 playoffs, sorry, 2022 playoffs, and the Grand Finals. It will also be sold together with Team Remix, end quote they said on Twitter. This year's Vault event could feature All-Star and MVP skins, but it probably won't include all Legacy Legendary skins linked to the Owl, since neither of the past iterations did either. Overwatch 2 is expected to release on October 4th, bringing new hero... Ooh, they said Kirito, but it's Kiriko. The game's first battle pass, heroes, reskins, and much more. So there you go, a touch of an FYI here. Um, they, of course, uh, so the over the account on Twitter there, Overwatch Cavalry at Overwatch Cavill, actually uh, tweeted out the the video of the sort of vault opening. We got Doomfist jumping out, slamming the ground, and it just says the vault fan favorite Overwatch League skins to return star, and then it says may exclude select Overwatch. I uh, can't quite see what that says under the text. Uh, skins. Anyways, kind of interesting because it doesn't really seem like that's that's uh, an actual video that they released or something who knows where overwatch cavalry got this video kind of looks like it could just be reused or recycled but i mean at the same time this is a pretty safe assumption right they're trying to drum up uh, all the hype they can for grand finals plus they've got an entirely new audience with with overwatch 2 being out and everything like that so it wouldn't be too surprising if they release some of their uh, their skins that were previously you know Uh, pretty exclusive and not necessarily the most well-publicized, given that they would, of course, be behind the Overwatch League side of things. Um, So good to see the cross-promotion here. Excited to see if we do get those legendary skins returning. And, of course, 
I'm very excited to see if I can get in there and get some of the ones that I may have missed, although I'm not convinced I've missed any of them, if I'm being real. The only ones I may have missed were, would have been ones that I purposely did not buy. So I digress. That is how it is. So we'll see if that comes to pass. Moving on from there, we are going to head over to Dexerto.com with an article by Michael Gwilliam, also posted on September 21st, which reads, Overwatch 2 devs reveal huge ultimate changes for all heroes and new DPS role passive. Originally, Overwatch 2 included a new passive for damage heroes that granted them increased movement speed. Well, that was eventually scrapped in favor of ultimate charge being refunded when switching to a new hero that has once again been altered. In a September 21st blog post, Blizzard outlined a series of new changes that will be live when the game releases, and they're going back to the drawing board in terms of how they give DPS heroes a bit of a boost. The change comes because the prior passive that let the DPS players keep some ultimate charge when switching heroes is now being applied to all roles. New Overwatch 2 Ultimate Changes Revealed Now, when players of any role change heroes, up to 30% of their ultimate charge will be refunded. The devs explained that this decision came after receiving tons of fan feedback. Quote, Upon announcing the change for, the, for up to 30% ultimate power to transfer when swapping DPS heroes, we saw a lot of feedback asking why that wasn't a broader change for all heroes. After continued testing, we agree and are making a change so the entire roster should have access... Uh, sorry... So the entire roster should have access to as we launch. Okay. End quote. It will be very interesting to see how this plays out, especially considering the devs have stressed that many players don't really switch heroes as often as some would have thought. The universal change also meant that the DPS heroes no longer had a unique role passive, so the devs have created a new one, and it's absolutely bonkers. DPS heroes receive new Overwatch 2 role passive. Going forward, when a DPS hero gets an elimination, they will get a small buff in the form of a 25% increased reload and movement speed for 2.5 seconds. While this won't stack upon multiple eliminations, it will, however, refresh the cooldown, something the devs say is a step in the right direction. Quote, We believe that this change is the right balance of rewarding players who perform well in the damage role without being overpowered. However, in future seasons, we may continue to experiment with what these passives do as we look to shake up the meta regularly. Many of the other changes are hero-specific and were leaked ahead of the Overwatch League's return. Players can test out all these changes and more once Overwatch 2 finally launches on October 4th. So, a couple things to talk about in this one. Obviously, the change to that 30% uh, or up to 30% uh, ultimate charge refund as you switch heroes, I kind of think that's, you know, that that's a pretty decent, uh, decent change. I don't mind that at all. Um, obviously... All it really does is encourage people to change heroes, which I don't think is necessarily bad. Um, I do find it interesting that they have a ton of stats that say people essentially don't change heroes because I frequently find that, you know, when you're in a match and something is something is going wrong or you are not winning or things are not going in your team's favor, I frequently find that uh, one of the best things you can do is change up the strategy and make a swap, right? Um, especially one of the biggest things I find is, uh, you know, obviously I don't play this too often, but when you play the competitive uh, uh, no-roll lock queue, um, I frequently find that one of the best things to counter something when your team is stuck is switching to another DPS hero. So, I mean, frequently, honestly, um, Farah is one that uh, in my wood tier games that I play, um, you switch to and, you know, you can usually turn the tide of a fight because uh, people just tend to not know how to uh, counter her or... You know, you're playing against a team that hasn't doesn't quite notice her, isn't expecting it, that kind of thing. So, I digress. Um, I think the the refund there, the up to thirty percent, is actually a pretty pretty good change, um, regardless of how effective it may be. It's kind of nice, just because you know, then you don't lose out entirely if you do switch heroes. Now, the other side of that is that twenty five percent increased reload and movement speed. Um, this is an interesting one because they had actually moved away from increasing re, uh, sorry, not reload speed, uh, movement speed for characters, um, pretty significantly in the past. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I believe Ana's, uh, nano boost used to actually increase reload speed as well. And I think certain characters, when they use their ultimates, it actually increased their reload speed as well. I, I want to say that Genji's real, uh, sorry, not reload speed, movement speed. Uh, I want to say that when Genji bladed, it actually increased his movement speed, um, beyond what, what he has currently. And, uh, they actually found that when that stacked with the nano boost, it was actually a little too powerful. Um, so they rolled that back, but 
I digress. If that's something they want to look at, you know, these days, that's it's kind of an interesting, interesting shift. And of course, we know that Kiriko's uh, ultimate ability—I can't remember what it's called—but does increase uh, reload, movement speed, everything speed for any characters who are in the path of that uh, that little spirit fox she has. So, interesting move there. Um, I don't necessarily think this is the right move. It kind of, you know, twenty-five percent reload speed uh to me seems a little drastic as well as the movement speed it's almost like i don't know it just it just strikes me as this is the wrong move i'll i'll be curious to see how this plays out um and i mean to be honest with you at obviously my tier again do i expect this to have any significant impact on anybody not really no so i digress we'll see how this affects the pros because that's where it'll really see some action so now, let's move on over to what is actually our final news story before we move into our Overwatch League coverage here. Uh, this time, an article from .esports.com, written on September 22nd by Liz Richardson, which reads, Los Angeles Gladiators DPS Patapan retires from competitive Overwatch. Of all the legends of competitive Overwatch, very few have managed to compete in drastically different eras of the game. Those who do cement themselves in the game's history for good. One of those multi-talented players has decided to end his journey with the competitive scene today. Patapan, DPS for the Los Angeles Gladiators, announced today that he's retiring from the Overwatch League. The team posted a farewell video with kind words from the coaches and from his coaches and teammates as the storied player moves on to his next venture. Most viewers of the Overwatch League know him as the Gladiators' flexible clutch master, as he's referred to multiple times in the video. Signed at the end of 2021, Patapan was a critical part of the team's rise to glory during the 2022 season. The Gladiators won two of the season's three tournament cycles and are already locked in for the postseason, even though there are still multiple weeks of regular season matches to go. Longtime Overwatch fans, though, remember Patapan as the wildly talented DPS of Team Thailand in the 2018 Overwatch World Cup. At just 15 years old, Patapan sliced through his, the opposition and made a name for himself against more high-profile teams. Known for his ace aim and clutch abilities, he played for a handful of Overwatch contenders teams after the World Cup and eventually started a career in Valorant as a part of X10. Last month, Patapan and the Gladiators confirmed that he was suffering from a wrist injury, the same kind that affected him on X10. He wasn't seen for most of the Summer Showdown qualifiers, and other players stepped up in his place. Patapan did not confirm where he's headed next, but his teammates and coaches wished him the best in his farewell video. The Los Angeles Gladiators will continue their journey for the Overwatch League Championship, sans Patapan, and another clutch DPS ons on September 23rd when they take on the Florida Mayhem. So, there you go. Uh, that is Patapan retiring. A legend leaves the game, although somewhat short-lived. Um, it's such an interesting career, as Liz talks about there, uh, given how Patapan was, you know, uh, kind of burst into the scene at a very young age, obviously too young to play for the Overwatch League, um, but was able to compete in the, uh, I, what did she say there, 2018 World Cup Championship? Um, uh, that, yep, there it is, Team Thailand. Um, and really made a name for himself, and then obviously jumped over to Valorant, where, um, you know, he had a bit of a career as well, and then it was a big deal when uh, the Gladiators announced that he was signing to them, um, and he was coming for the season, and obviously no slouch either. Um, Patapan was a great part of uh, the Gladiators' success this past season, along with fellow DPS Ons, both of whom are now uh, leaving the team and of course moving on to other things so all the best to Patapan it was really fantastic to see how skilled he was um, as someone who wasn't following the game back in 2018 um, or at least the Overwatch side of the Overwatch League side of things um, it was really great to see him learn about his sort of storied history with the Overwatch League and see him shine for a while um, and obviously make a huge impact on the Los Angeles Gladiators team so best of luck to Patapan and with that, that's actually it. That's all we got for news. I mean, it, it is a very slow news week. I have a suspicion, given what we know about uh, last week's announcements and all the news that broke then and everything about uh, about Kiriko, about the new maps, um, about the Battle Pass and all that information, I have a suspicion that was meant to come out this week. But of course, we know that due to um, uh, 4chan leaks and rumors and things like that that were swirling on the internet, uh, the team kind of shifted their, their schedule and announced a lot of that ahead of time. So... Unfortunately, this week is a little bit slow, but we do have a ton of games to cover given uh, the West region kicked off on Thursday with the East region kicking off on Friday. So why don't we move on over and we'll talk about what happened in this past weekend's games in the Overwatch League. <laughs> I'm sensing a pattern! 
All right, so as I mentioned, things kicked off on Thursday, September 22nd with the Houston Outlaws taking on the Boston Uprising. Now, this match was a match that I predicted in favor of Houston. However, I did have a strong suspicion that Boston was going to come out of the gates raring to go. Um, if we take a quick peek at the standings, Boston, well, I don't know what they were going into this weekend. They're currently sitting in 10th position, so they are just in the postseason playoffs. Um, so they would be competing for one of those play-in spots. Um, so Boston is really fighting for their lives right now, um, trying to keep their heads above the water. That is the New York Excelsior and, of course, the Vancouver Titans. Now, do we realistically think that either of those teams can catch up to them at this point? Mm-hmm. I, I've got to admit, I don't think I do. But they're still nipping at their heels and there is still a danger, right, for the, for the Boston Uprising. So... Of course, things kicked off at 1 p.m. Mountain Time on Thursday, September 22nd, seeing the Boston Uprising taking on the Houston Outlaws. And as I alluded to, I strongly thought about picking the Boston Uprising, but ultimately I went the way of Houston. Now, the interesting part about this is, as we will come to see later in the weekend, Houston had a great showing this past weekend. Unfortunately, they lost this match 3-1 to the Houston or to the Boston Uprising. I had picked that a 3-1 match, but the exact opposite direction. I really thought Houston was going to come out strong. Um, on this match, or stronger than Boston at least, but Boston actually wound up being one of the big winners of the weekend, securing themselves two wins, but we'll get to their second one shortly here. So Boston takes that one, 3-1. Then at 2.30 p.m. on the same day, Mountain Time, we see the Dallas Fuel take on the Washington Justice, and of course, Dallas comes out on top 3-1. No real surprise there, although Washington actually did have uh, something of a stunning weekend as well, as we'll get to shortly. Finally, our last game on Thursday, September 22nd, saw the Toronto Defiant take on the Atlanta Reign, and this is a match that I had talked about um, being a match to watch to kind of set the bar for for the um, Countdown Cup qualifying games, um, uh, qualifying matches. I had really wondered how this both of these teams would fare, given we saw Atlanta struggle in the Summer Showdown, we saw Toronto sort of uh, rise in the Summer Showdown, but we also know that Toronto has been at least a decently strong team maybe a uh, you know middle of the pack to upper middle of the pack kind of team throughout the year um, but I had hoped that off their success in the summer showdown they might come out really strong and have a good showing here um, in their match against Atlanta of course if we take a look at the match details obviously I am a fan of the Toronto Defiant so I followed this one a little closer than most others we actually see the Toronto Defiant almost completing a reverse sweep, getting just so close, bringing it right to that map five and ultimately losing out. So Nepal went the way of the Atlanta Reign 2-0, which was a bit surprising given Toronto does actually have a pretty good record on control this uh, this season. So it was, as I mentioned, Nepal. And Atlanta took both of, uh, both of the first two maps. Toronto didn't even manage a point in that one, which was surprising because Toronto's been strong on control. We then went over to Parisio, uh, where Atlanta took it 2-1, so again, Atlanta comes out on top. Then we would go over to Circuit Royale, where Toronto manages to edge them out 2-1. A good showing, and especially on a map that uh, hasn't always been the kindest to Toronto. Um, We did see them get stomped pretty hard a couple of times on Circuit Royale in the Summer Showdown uh, uh, tournament. Um, Of course, Atlanta didn't even make it into that tournament, so, you know, they're one to talk. Anyways, uh, moving on from there, we then went to Coliseo, where Toronto actually secured it 1-0. Again, another map we've seen Toronto struggle on, but Toronto seeming to rally together and take these two maps and bringing Atlanta to a map five. And this is obviously where um, Atlanta kind of said, no way, Jose, we are we are strong this, we're going to flex our muscles. Uh, we did so poorly in the Summer Showdown, we got to get a win um, we got a show off in the Countdown Cup. So they take Ilios again, the, the other control map, 2-0 again. So maybe the tides are turning when it comes to control for Toronto, which ultimately does not bode well, given uh, games are, are bookended with map 1 and map 5 being control, specifically because there's no possibility of a tie on control. But regardless of that, um, you know, it was a decent match. Toronto fought back in the end, but ultimately didn't come up with the win, which was disappointing, but ultimately not the worst match um, for Toronto. So unfortunate, but like I said, hopefully this sets the pace for both Toronto and Atlanta in the Countdown Cup. Now, as we'll see again further on in the weekend, uh, maybe it did for Atlanta. Hopefully it did not for Toronto. We'll get there, though. 
So moving on from there, we go to Friday, September 23rd, where the Houston, no, sorry, uh, where we move on over to the Eastern region at 4 a.m. Mountain Time when the Chengdu Hunters took on the Hangzhou Spark, and Chengdu comes out 3-1, slapping my Hangzhou Spark down. Um, the exact opposite pick, just like with my Boston-Houston pick, um, I had predded this one 3-1 for the Spark, and it went 3-1 for the Hunters. After that, 5.30 a.m., the Seoul Dynasty 3-0, the Los Angeles Valiant, a pick that I nailed there. Three points for me on my pickums. We then move over to Friday, September 23rd. Uh, oh, sorry, we're still on Friday, but we move over to the West. At 1 p.m. Mountain Time, where the London Spitfire managed to 3-1 the Paris Eternal. That's right, you heard it first. Uh, well, you saw it there first, but you heard it here first. Paris Eternal getting a map off London. Um, a little bit surprising there. Uh, if I take a look at the match details, let's see which map they got. Um, I did watch a little bit of this game. Actually, if I'm remembering correctly, I watched more of the Thursday-Friday games than any of the weekend games because I, you know, I mean, I work very hard at work, but I also have the matches on in the background, so I see a lot more of them. Um, Paris managing to pull off Dorado. They got the full map completion on the 3-2, or with a 3-2 win over the London Spitfire, but ultimately London took Ilios, Eichenwald, and then New Queen Street as the fourth map after Dorado. So, Probably a win, you know, if anything, a moral victory for the Paris Eternal, who are obviously struggling. Um, they are currently in last place. They have one win on the season and 19 losses. Um, I'm glad they have a win because it's never fun to see, a, um, you know, a single team get absolutely no wins. I know we've come very close and we've come to the brink with a number of teams in these past few seasons. Um, the Vancouver Titans have been on the edge like that before, but ultimately good that they got one win. Hopefully they can get another on the season, but I mean, knowing their squad and everything, I really don't know if they can, but I digress. Moving on from there, 2.30 p.m. on Friday, September 23rd, the Los Angeles Gladiators took on the Florida Mayhem and won it 3-1, a 3-1 fashion win for the Los Angeles Gladiators. Does it look like the Los Angeles Gladiators are back on top? Maybe, maybe. A return to form this weekend, that's for sure, albeit against uh, one pretty weak team and one team that... Uh, surprised in the summer showdown, but I mostly, it feels a lot like the summer showdown uh, results. We can kind of write off most of them with, with the exception of maybe the very top team, which was of course the Dallas Fuel. Now, moving on from there, 4 p.m. Mountain Time, we saw the New York Excelsior take on the Toronto Defiant, and this is what I was alluding to before. Hopefully this weekend did not set the pace or the bar for the Toronto Defiant because the New York Excelsior squeaked out a Two, a 3-2 win over the Toronto Defiant. And here we see the fate that Atlanta almost succumbed to happen to the Toronto Defiant. That's right, the New York Excelsior had a reverse sweep over the Toronto Defiant. So first we went to Oasis where Toronto took it 2-0. A great showing from them again, maybe showing that, okay, you know, that match against Atlanta, our, our failures on control, maybe we're, we're not, we were not at our best, but here we are at our best. Then they went to Kings Row where Toronto took it 3-2. And of course, things are looking great for Toronto. At that point, we are at match point where we go to Dorado, but New York clutches it out 2-1, taking the second point. And of course, Toronto only managing to capture that first point at the doorway and, and you know, going past there, but not quite capturing the second checkpoint. Then, of course, Coliseo comes up. And again, the exact opposite of what happened with Toronto and Atlanta. New York Excelsior takes it 1-0. Um, again, Toronto has a, you know struggled on Coliseo. Um, although they did great against the Atlanta Reign on this map, it was really shocking to see uh, New York come out as strong as they did. And then, of course, we go to Nepal. Um, again, a map that Toronto had previously lost against uh, the Atlanta Reign on. And yet again, New York takes it 2-0 against the Toronto Defiant. And Toronto gets reverse swept in a 3-2 fashion. So that sucks for Toronto. Toronto coming out of this weekend with two losses. Um, things not looking super great for their Countdown Cup uh, uh, record. However, they are looking at... It would take a lot for them to fall out of playoff contention, um, or at least the play-ins there. They currently have a record of 10-10, and 10, so they're actually 10 10 and zero map differential so they're exactly 500 on the season seventh place you know nothing exciting there really kind of sucks to be in that position because uh toronto had looked strong and we had a lot of faith in toronto to perform at a very high level and seemingly they have not thus far in the countdown cup 
Moving right along, we go back over to the Eastern Region for our September 24th Saturday games. Starting at 4 a.m., the Seoul Dynasty managed to 3-0 sweep the Shanghai Dragons. Seoul looking like they're back on top. The Shanghai Dragons uh, not looking like their showdown, summer showdown uh, self. Um, and as we'll see again, Shanghai, another team that did well in the summer showdown. Obviously, they won it in the East and now struggling in the Countdown Cup uh, meta. Moving on from there, 5.30 a.m., the Guangzhou Charge took on the Chengdu Hunters, and Chengdu comes out on top with a 3-2 win over Guangzhou. Then at 7 a.m., the Philadelphia Fusion take on the... Uh, sorry, the Los Angeles Valiant. I almost said the Atlanta Rain for some reason. Philadelphia Fusion take on the Los Angeles Valiant, and the Valiant coming out on top with a 3-2 over the Philadelphia Fusion. A bit of a shocker there. Um, I might have to go back and, and check out that game because that is not a result I would have expected, especially, you know, MN3 and Zest over on Philadelphia Fusion are looking just crisp this... Uh, I mean, throughout the season, they've looked really good. Um, looking at the match here, not a reverse sweep, which, you know, thankfully, um, but map one was Oasis, went to the Valiant. Map two was Parisio, went to uh, Philly. Map 3 was Junkertown, went to Valiant. Map 4 was Coliseo, went to Philly. And Map 5 was Nepal and went to the Valiant. So very back-and-forth match. Um, quite literally the definition of a back-and-forth match. So interesting to see that. Very curious to see what adjustments Philly can make because I don't think that... In no world do I think the Valiant are a better team than Philly. Right now, Philly's sitting in the third slot in the East with 9 and 11. Meanwhile, the Valiant are 5 and 15. The Valiant are are battling the Guangzhou charge, trying to get into the the play-ins there. Um, Guangzhou only ahead of them by one win, so they are in a stalwart battle there in this win against the Philadelphia Fusion, a team that most people would probably say are significantly better than them, uh, really means a lot for them. So there you have it. Let's head on back over to the Western region. This time, we're going to look at our Saturday games, Saturday, September 24th in the West. We started things off with the London Spitfire taking on the Vancouver Titans, and just as I predicted, London took it 3-1. Uh, London looking good, I guess. This past weekend, they played literally the two um, bottom lowest teams in the West. They played the Vancouver Titans and the Paris Eternal uh, in the opposite order. They played the Paris Eternal, then the Vancouver Titans, and they won both matches. Not super surprising there. I think the bigger surprise was uh, the Vancouver Titans' performance. Um, I think people had higher hopes coming off of their successes, not necessarily in the Summer Showdown tournament, but in the Summer Showdown qualifiers, uh, where they did look pretty strong and look like a decent team um so curious to see how vancouver manages to bounce back from this if they do and curious to really see london put to the test because london another one of those teams that i think uh in terms of the summer showdown and in terms of this season overall has had a pretty stellar performance um has probably overperformed most people's expectations um i know my own that's for sure um and has been looking pretty good on the season but ultimately, you know, again, this past weekend, not necessarily the best judge of character for the Countdown Cup. So moving on from there, 2.30 p.m. Mountain Time, we saw the San Francisco Shock take on the Washington Justice in what I have to assume most people predicted would be a 3-0 win, maybe a 3-1 win for the Shock. And this is where the Shock's quote-unquote Countdown Cup downfall begins because they lost in a 3-0 fashion now let's take a quick peek because i did not catch most of this match thinking i didn't need to watch it thinking washington is is blows chunks and san francisco rocks and another back and forth match map one was oasis again washington taking it map two is eichenwald where san francisco takes it map three is dorado where washington takes it map four is new queen street where san francisco takes it. and finally nepal is map five and the washington justice take it so again just back and forth back and forth back and forth seems like we have um a lot of potential reverse sweeps, whether those complete or not, and then a lot of just back-and-forth matches. But overall, just extremely shocking to see the the San Francisco Shock lose in this fashion uh, to a team like Washington, who currently sits in ninth position, uh, only one one spot ahead of the Boston Uprising, who are at the end of the uh, playoff cut-in race, um, record of 9-11 and 11 on the season, uh, and, and really a team that I don't think most people have been too impressed with this season. Um, but I digress. I, I don't like Washington. I, I in fact, despise them. Um, nothing against the org or anything like that. I just uh, have a hate on for them. But San Francisco, man, struggling. 
as as we'll see, uh, continuing to struggle throughout the weekend. After that, 4 p.m. on the Western region, the Boston Uprising take on the Florida Mayhem, and Boston comes out on top 3-0. I thought this match would be close. I really thought this was going to be a 3-2 win for Boston. I did pick Boston winning this one, as I alluded to before. Um, but ultimately, Florida really struggling to uh, to capitalize on anything in this match, and Boston coming out with the win 3-0. Finally, we move into our Sunday games, Sunday, September 25th at 4 a.m. Mountain Time. In the Eastern region, the Shanghai Dragons take on the Guangzhou Charge. And wouldn't you believe it, Guangzhou comes out on top 3-2. Look at this, another 3-2. Let's take a look at this schedule, or uh, at this breakdown. Um, again, I didn't watch this one because it's an Eastern region game and I missed most of those. Okay, not the back-and-forth match that we'd seen before, not the reverse sweep or potential reverse sweep that we'd seen before. Um, map 1 was Nepal, went to Guangzhou. Map 2 and 3 both went to Shanghai. That was Kings Row and Route 66. And then Map 4 and 5, New Queen Street and Ilios went to the Guangzhou Charge. So... Interesting stuff there, but uh, Shanghai really struggling thus far in the Countdown Cup, seeing a very similar fate to the Toronto Defiant, it would seem, and, of course, more notably than Toronto, the San Francisco Shock, as we'll get to when we bounce back to the West. Our final match in the East this past weekend on Sunday, September 25th, was the Philadelphia Fusion taking on the Hangzhou Spark, and again, as I mentioned before, my Hangzhou Spark failing me, and the Philadelphia Fusion coming out clutch with a 3-1 win. Uh, I did actually get this pred right, uh, but ultimately I, I wanted to see Hangzhou doing better this uh, tournament cycle. But alas, they are struggling. Let's head back over to the West for the rest of our Sunday, September 25th games, and that will close out this past weekend's recap. At 1 p.m. Mountain Time, we saw the Atlanta Reign 3-0 the New York Excelsior, a team that I will remind you had just reverse swept the Toronto Defiant somehow. I'm bitter about it. Then at 2.30 p.m., the Dallas Fuel 3-0, the Paris Eternal, no surprise there. And at 4 p.m., what is probably one of, uh, no, I would say the previous San Francisco game was the most shocking match of the weekend. Um, but another shocking match of the weekend, the San Francisco Shock get 3 one by the Houston Outlaws. That's right, Houston managing to come out with the win over the San Francisco Shock. And I struggle to say that... Um, Who's, who was at fault here? I do think that the Houston Outlaws played out of their minds. Um, someone like Dante was looking really crisp and really clean. Um, I know I, I caught a little bit of this match, and he looked really strong on Diva, which I was actually impressed to see them pull out the Diva um, and really kind of control the tempo with that. But ultimately, everything Houston was just firing on all cylinders, looking really clean, um, and ultimately capitalizing on the mistakes that San Francisco was making. Um, I don't know that this was... Uh, significantly, you know, one or two people's fault necessarily on the side of San Francisco. Um, it does strike me as it was a little bit more of um, a little bit more of just a, a overall kind of team coordination thing. You know, maybe they were down after their loss against the Washington Justice, but ultimately we know that the crusty crack pipe uh, has come into play before, and we know that Coach Krusty can turn these guys around. So very interested to see what happens this upcoming weekend in their next matches. Our final game on September 25th was, of course, the Los Angeles Gladiators taking on the Vancouver Titans. And as everyone expected, the Los Angeles Gladiators managed to pull a 3-0 win over the Vancouver Titans. No surprise there. Vancouver coming out with two losses this past weekend. Toronto Defiant coming up with two losses. Florida Mayhem coming up with two losses. Just a bloodbath, ultimately, for all of my favorite teams. That's literally all three of the teams that I follow closely. And all of them lost every match they had this weekend. So, boo. Uh, it was not a great match weekend for me. Uh, I did not watch a lot of matches. Maybe that's why. Maybe I'm the jinx here. But I digress. Oh, man. I said it again. All right. So, that's going to be it for our pickums from this past weekend and for the match results from this past weekend. So, now, what do you say we move on to week two in the Countdown Cup qualifiers? Uh, well, I guess just the Countdown Cup and playoffs. Playoff qualified play-in matches, whatever you want to call them. And let's do some pickums here. So, first things first, on Friday, September 30th, we see the Seoul Dynasty taking on the Chengdu Hunters. I'm going to give that to the Seoul Dynasty 3. Do I want to do 3-1? Do I want to do 3-0? Seoul looking really strong, 3-0-ing uh, the Shanghai Dragons and 3-0-ing the Los Angeles Valiant. Chengdu getting a 3-1 over Hangzhou uh, and a 3-2 over Guangzhou. So, you know, Chengdu not looking like any slouches. Um, but certainly, 
Certainly not uh, not looking as strong as Seoul, maybe. But I'm going to give it to... I'm going to do a 3-1. I'm going to stick with 3-1. Then the Philadelphia Fusion face off against the Shanghai Dragons. Now, Shanghai, as we know, struggled this past weekend. They lost to Guangzhou, and they lost to Seoul. Now, the loss against Seoul, that's an expected loss. The loss against Guangzhou is a little bit more concerning. Of course, we saw Philly lose to the Valiant, which is very concerning, and win over the Spark, which is less, uh, you know, more of a toss-up, if you will. Ultimately, I'm going to hold faith with the Shanghai Dragons, but I'm going to give it a 3-2 to the Shanghai Dragons. I think Philly, you know, it depends on which team bounces back, and I do have more faith faith in the Shanghai Dragons to bounce back than I do the Philadelphia Fusion. So I'm going to give it to Shanghai 3-2. That's a risky pick, but I will. Continuing on with Friday, September 30th, we then move over to the West at 1 p.m. where the Gladiators take on the London Spitfire, and I'm giving it to the Glads 3-1. Then at 2.30 p.m., the Dallas Fuel are going to get a 3-0 win over the Vancouver Titans. Man, Vancouver looking like they have a tough schedule uh, in this Countdown Cup. Oh, boy. The Toronto Defiant then take on the San Francisco Shock, and is this where the San Francisco Shock bounce back, or is this where the Toronto Defiant bounce back? Ain't that the question? Let's take a look at our week one again. So Toronto lost to Atlanta in a 3-2 match, which was a pretty, you know, a pretty good match um, for all intents and purposes. Then, of course, Toronto lost to the New York Excelsior in a 3-2. So again, at least Toronto took them to the brink, even if the New York Excelsior managed to reverse sweep the Toronto Defiant. Meanwhile, the Washington Justice defeat the San Francisco Shock. Um, and again, that one, just as a refresher, was not a reverse sweep, but was a very back-and-forth match. And then, of course, the Houston Outlaws beat the San Francisco Shock in uh, what wasn't back-and-forth really, um, was mostly Houston. Uh, they did win it 3-1, so it kind of makes sense. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I really am. Although I have every faith that the San Francisco Shock, if, if any team will bounce back from a, a, a disappointing weekend... You know, I have faith that two teams that I would expect to do it are the Los Angeles Gladiators, who don't need to bounce back because they're doing well, and, of course, the San Francisco Shock. Um, ultimately, I'm going to say that the Toronto Defiant get the win. Do I give it to them 3-2 or 3-1? The funny thing is, in most cases, a 3-1 would be the safe pick uh, rather than a 3-2 or a 3-0. But in this case, I feel like a 3-2 is the safer pick because, again, San Francisco could bounce back, but I'm hopeful that the Toronto Defiant will have the bounce back. So I'm giving it to Toronto 3-2. Let's head back over to the East for our Saturday games, where Shanghai takes on the Hangzhou Spark. And yet again, I am stuck with a moral conundrum of Hangzhou getting... And they didn't get any wins this past weekend, did they? Oh no, they got a win. No, they did not. They did not get any wins. Neither did Shanghai. So who had the more disappointing losses? Hangzhou lost to Chengdu and Philly. Shanghai lost to Guangzhou and Seoul. I think I, again, I have to trust in the Dragons. I'm going to give Hangzhou one map, but I don't think Hangzhou is bouncing back as much as I want them to. After that, the Chengdu Hunters take on the Los Angeles Valiant. I'm going to go another 3-1. Then the Seoul Dynasty are going to 3-0 the Guangzhou Charge. We're going to move then back to the West on Saturday, October 1st, where the Dallas Fuel are taking on the London Spitfire, and I think that's going to be another 3-1 match for the Dallas Fuel. Um, I guess that's not another 3-1 match, but for Dallas Fuel. But anyways, then the New York Excelsior take on the Washington Justice in what could actually be an interesting match now that I see this, this head-to-head. Um, Washington obviously lost to Dallas, the top team, and then won against the San Francisco Shock by some miracle. Meanwhile, the New York Excelsior reverse sweep but the Toronto Defiant by some miracle, but then lose pretty significantly to the Atlanta Reign, who also beat the Toronto Defiant, but I digress. I'm going to have to give this one to the Washington Justice. I think their wins uh, this past weekend were more, or their win was more impressive um, than the, the reverse sweep against the Toronto Defiant. And ultimately, New York got blown out by the Atlanta Reign, uh, whereas Washington at least got a map off the Dallas Fuel. So I am giving it to Washington. Uh, New York could show up, though, so let's call it a 3-2. Why not? Finally, our last game on Saturday, October 1st, is the San Francisco Shock taking on the Atlanta Reign. And again, uh, most of the time, I would trust the San Francisco Shock to get the win to have the bounce back here. 
But ultimately, I mean, they do have a bit of a rivalry and, and, and you know, struggle. I guess Atlanta probably has a bit of a chip on their shoulder when it comes to the San Francisco shock. I'm going to give this one, I'm going to say this is where the shock bounce back. Do I want to go on that limb? Let me take a look where Atlanta is in the standings and see what they are playing on, playing for. So Atlanta is currently sixth in the standings with 11 and 9. Uh, Toronto is nipping at their heels with 10 and 10. So, however, the London Spitfire in fifth with 13 and 7. So if Atlanta gets a win, they don't stand to move up in the standings. But if they get a loss and Toronto gets a win, then Toronto stands to defeat them or to jump over them in the standings. I'm going to say this one goes 3-2 to the to the shock. I'm going to say this is where San Francisco does get their their bounce back. This is where they get tired of losing. <laughs> um, but ultimately, this one could be a bit of a toss-up, or San Francisco could just come out of the gate and steamroll uh, the Atlanta rain. I, I could see that happening as well. Now let's head over to Sunday, October 2nd in the Eastern Region, where the Guangzhou Charge take on the Philadelphia Fusion. And yet again, man... The Eastern region is tough to predict right now. We have a lot of teams that suck and only <laughs> one team that I think is really good, and that's the Seoul Dynasty, obviously. So any match they're not in is a bit of a question mark. I am going to give this one to Philly. Uh, I'm going to say three. Let's see, Philly. Oh, boy. Philly lost to the Valiant, hey? Philly lost to the Valiant but beat the Hangzhou Spark. Meanwhile, Guangzhou lost to the Hunters, beat the Dragons. Okay, Okay, I'm smoking the Guangzhou crack pipe here. I'm saying Guangzhou takes us 3-1. No, 3-2, 3-1, 3-2, 3-1, 3-2. 3-2 is what I'm sticking with. Then at 5.30 a.m. on Sunday, October 2nd, Mountain Time, of course, the Hangzhou Spark take on the Los Angeles Valiant. Hangzhou, two losses in the Countdown Cup. Valiant, one win, one loss. Uh, Valiant winning out against Philly. Hangzhou losing to Philly. To me, that says Valiant is stronger than Philly, and Philly is stronger than Hangzhou. I'm giving it to the Valiant somehow, 3-1. I can't believe I'm giving the Valiant a win, but I am. And that, of course, is going to bring us to our final uh, matches on Sunday, October 2nd, back in the Western region, where the Gladiators will 3-0 the New York Excelsior. The Atlanta Reign will 3-1 washington justice sure at 2 30 p.m sorry and our final match of the weekend is of course another our second on the season battle for the canada with the toronto defiant facing off against the vancouver titans now both of these teams coming off of a weekend with two losses of course um vancouver getting beat out by the london spitfire and the los angeles gladiators toronto getting beat out by the atlanta rain and the new york excelsior so i would say like the gladiators are an expected win uh, over Vancouver. London is probably as well. I mean, London is a top five team at this point. Whereas Toronto, at least, yeah, I think Toronto, again, they struggled to cross the finish line here this past weekend, but obviously they they also, um, they also came close in both their matches, right? Both of their matches were 3-2 losses. So I think Toronto is the better team here. I'm going to give it to Toronto 3, and I'll give Vancouver a map and say 3-1. I don't have too much faith in Vancouver there. We're going to lock in those picks. Saved and save. That's saved. And those ones are already good. And this past weekend, I actually got 25 points in the West and 9 points in the East. Uh, I actually, I didn't do too bad despite having a few games that really flipped. But I didn't do too bad because I had a few games where I actually got full points. Um, so a little bit of a predictable weekend. I'm hoping this next weekend will be as well. But man, this Countdown Cup meta is thrown us for a loop that is for sure so with that that brings us to the end of our predictions let's close things out there let's close things out there and move right along to one more section of the show where i'm going to take a look at the schedule for the rest of the season for a couple of teams here we need a moment to ensure all our equations are correct all right so as we talked about a second ago um the Toronto Defiant and Vancouver Titans both have two matches this upcoming weekend, and then they will have two matches the following weekend as well. Now, I want to look at their schedules for the rest of the season, both of these teams, and quickly make some predictions overall uh, based on the fact that we've now seen two matches under both of these teams' belts, and we've kind of seen a little bit about how the meta is shaping up, although this meta could easily be described as just utter chaos. 
So let's start things off with the Vancouver Titans, okay? So this weekend, we know they play the Dallas Field and the Toronto Defiant. I actually, as we just went over, I have them losing both of those matches, which is unfortunate because that, I think, will eliminate Vancouver from playoff contention at all. Um, if I'm not mistaken, between those matches and all the matches that the other teams play, that will be the end of their season. But they still have two matches left. Do they really care? Could they play spoiler? Who really knows? Um, but... Ultimately, their final matches of the year of the season are against the Florida Mayhem and then the Paris Eternal. Paris, I want to say I'm confident they'll get the win. Um, I am ultimately confident they'll get the win, but I mean, man, you know, that that is the toilet bowl of the season to close things out, right? It is the two bottom teams in the West, unless the New York Excelsior have some uh, significant collapse or the Vancouver Titans have some significant, you know, ascension where they suddenly are doing super well. Um, but I just ultimately don't think that's going to happen. Um, I do think, like I say, Vancouver will get that win at the very end of the season over the Paris Eternal, meaning they end their season with a four and let's see how many more losses is that. That's three more, a four and 20 season, which not a great season by any means, but ultimately, you know, things have turned around a little bit for them. They've obviously had some significant organizational shifts uh, with Depe coming in as head coach and of course, Flubby and Pew stepping away and then Justin, the previous GM stepping away and Baroy coming in as well. So I'm looking forward to a, a stellar off season for the Vancouver Titans, really. If I were to say anything, I think that with Baroy and Depe at the helm, they can not only bring in some significant talent for the Vancouver Titans, I think they can attract some significant talent across the two of them. It's obviously a beautiful city and a great place to live. Um, ultimately, I think the organization has some draw and some pull, and they could build, they could build a pretty stellar roster from here. Now, let's take a look at the Toronto Defiance end of season. All right, so... As we look at the Toronto Defiance end of season, of course, we know, uh, as I discussed in my pickums there, we got two upcoming matches this weekend against San Francisco Shock and the Vancouver Titans. I'm confident they'll win against the Vancouver Titans. I'm less confident they'll win against the San Francisco Shock. But again, as I just outlined, I did predict them to take that win over San Francisco. So this is a bit of an interesting one because that would put them uh, an even two and two on the Countdown Cup qualifiers. Um, or matches, I guess, because they're not actually qualifying for anything at that point. Um, so ultimately, things looking good for them. That would put them, let's see, if we tally up their standings, that would put them at 12 and 10. Then their final two matches of the season are the Florida Mayhem and the Houston Outlaws. Florida, just like Toronto, looking like they're struggling in the Countdown Cup, um, even if they had some you know, uh, difficult opponents this past weekend. Ultimately, I think Toronto can get the win over Florida. It might be a bit of a close match, but I think Toronto ultimately is just pretty well a better team than Florida. So I think Toronto can get that win. So that comfortably puts Toronto with three more wins on the season, placing them 13 and 10. And then their final match of the season is, of course, against the Houston Outlaws. And that could be a bit of a uh, bit of an interesting match. As we know from this past weekend, uh, Houston Outlaws lose against Boston, but then win against San Francisco. So what is going on there? Again, this meta is kind of defined by chaos. I really don't know who wins that final match. Any Houston Outlaws fan would tell you that Houston is obviously going to win it, whereas, I mean, any Toronto Defiant fan would tell you that uh, that the uh, Toronto Defiant at least have a chance of winning it. So I really don't know where that match goes. I kind of think this upcoming weekend is going to be what really reveals that to us, um, especially given, you know, uh, we also see Houston playing this weekend, Wait a sec, we don't see Houston playing this weekend? Houston doesn't play at all this weekend. What's going on there? Houston already has 14 and 6, so 20 matches played. So does Toronto. Hmm. Very, very interesting. I'm a little bit surprised to see that. Uh, and if I look forward to the fourth weekend. Ah, Toronto doesn't play. Oh, Toronto has a week off. Interesting, interesting, interesting. So Houston will play Paris and Dallas. So that's very interesting because they'll get the win against Paris, but they'll no doubt have a tough opponent against the Dallas Fuel. So very interesting to see that coming through there. And interesting as well, I didn't even notice the bye week there, but uh, Toronto and Vancouver both actually have, will have a bye week there. Um, so anyways, very, very interesting. I don't know who wins that match. I'm going to give it to Toronto, which means Toronto wins the, their next four matches, but I could easily see Toronto going three and three, right? They obviously lost two matches already. Um, 
they lose that one against the Houston Outlaws, and then they get the three wins that I already talked about. That puts them three and three. I could unfortunately see them going four and two. Um, of course, four losses and two wins, with their only wins being the Vancouver Titans and the Florida Mayhem, which is unfortunate. But that's what I'm thinking. That's where my head is at. Um, I'm hopeful Toronto closes out the season strong, even if they do lose against San Francisco this Friday. Um, I know they can get a win over the Vancouver Titans. I know they can get a win over the Florida Mayhem in that final weekend, and then I'm confident that they can put up a good fight against the Houston Outlaws, but who comes out on top there is a bit more of a question mark. So hopefully Toronto closes things out strong. They can really solidify their their placement in the standings, of course, as we then go into the, uh, ultimately, the grand finals. Now, with all of that said, that is going to bring us to the end of the show. Uh, as you know, as I talked about already a little bit, this is our final show on Overwatch 1. That's right. We will be officially transitioned by the time you are listening to our next episode over to Overwatch 2. And of course, with Overwatch 2 releasing, we say goodbye to everything that was Overwatch 1. That's a goodbye to 6v6. Um, that's a goodbye to good old 2CP. That's maps like Anubis, maps like Hanamura, um, maps like Horizon Lunar Colony, maps like Paris, um, the, the funny thing about that is I just named two maps that were pulled out of the competitive pool for the simple fact of, uh, them being too, <laughs> too difficult, um, uh, too contentious amongst the competitive scene. Um, but ultimately there's a lot going away uh, and, and there's a lot changing, obviously. Uh, the, the entire meta around the game, the entire play style around the game is obviously shifting quite drastically. And we will see how teams in the Overwatch League adapt to it and how players adapt to it with the game shifting to a free-to-play model, as we discussed in last week's episode. If you're curious to hear a larger breakdown of everything about um, the battle pass and everything like that, uh, including the new hero, including skins and uh, rewards and uh, currencies and things like that. Check out my last episode of One Man Watchpoint. I would, I actually, I feel really proud of that episode. I was deathly ill, maybe not deathly, but I was very sick. I really struggled through the episode, but I got through it and it wound up being one of my longer episodes. Um, and I really kind of did a deep dive into everything uh, included in the battle pass and everything we know thus far. So go check out that episode if you're curious to hear about that. And if you're not, thank you so much for listening to this, this episode, of course. Now, this has been episode 89 of One Man Watchpoint and Overwatch Podcast. This is, of course, a podcast where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch, Overwatch League, everything about Overwatch. If you were listening for the first time, thank you so much for listening. I implore you, please subscribe, and please go follow me on Twitter, at SirDRJM. That's at SirDrJM. Reach out to me over there. Send me topics. Send me questions for the show. Send me whatever you want about Overwatch or about video games in general. I'd love to talk. I'd love to interact with you and, and bring things to the show and get to know you a little bit more or allow you to get to know me a little bit more through one man watch point. You can of course find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services out there, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So give us a follow, leave us a review, tell your friends and all that jazz. And of course, check me out over on the Ready Set Pwn podcast as well. Also available on podcast services everywhere. Ready Set Pwn is your premier source for everything Vancouver Titans and Toronto Defiant. And of course, I am the third chair over on that podcast with my uh co-host Chris and Alex, where we dive into everything Canadian Overwatch League related. Thank you so much again for listening, and we will catch you next week with the release of Overwatch 2. Holy predictable!